0: use the promo code blue to get an exclusive savings shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day because if there's one thing that omaha steaks knows it's the dad's want steak that's omahasteaks.com promo code BlueWire at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just 89 dollars
2: Good morning. Welcome to the Ioto Grinders NBA Morning Grind. Happy Friday, everybody. I'm Justin Carluccia here with the Chief. What's up, Will
3: Priester? Nothing much, man. Two times in one day, except everybody will get this this feed the next day. Uh, Excited to come on, man. I think we'll have a few interesting things to talk about. Uh, My Charlotte Hornets got the third pick. If anybody from the Charlotte Hornets front office is listening, please don't mess this up. Uh, If you're just a fan, please hop on board with me and just let the organization know. Please don't mess this up. Top three pick. Uh, We can't miss out on this year's draft. Uh, Let's make a good contribution to this organization to get us out of the dungeon. Please, guys, I'm begging you, make a good choice here. Uh, I will send in my resume to the front office if you need my analytical advice. Uh, at Chief Justice 06 on Twitter. If anybody from the front office is listening, please give me a shout.
2: Yeah, please do. Please do. From the Nick Batum's to the Getting Rid of the Kembas to the Michael Kid Gilchrist of the world, it's time for a change. Please, everybody, keep my friend Will Priester in their thoughts. There's nothing wrong with Will. He's just a Charlotte fan. So we will be thinking about you. And uh, I get, you know, before we get into the, the DFS talk, Who's on? Like, who's out there in college land that, that you're interested in?
3: Um, I mean, honestly, I think we've been drafting really safe. I think we just need to go ahead and take LaMelo Ball if he's available at the third pick. I think you just need to take the splash play for once. Quit drafting Frank Kaminsky, a four-year player at Indiana. You know, quit drafting... You know, uh, note, the alert. Noah Von Lays fr- from Indiana. Like, just stop doing it. Just stop. Take the upside play. If it doesn't work, we move on. We've taken the safe route for too long, and none of it's worked out. I mean, thank God we got Kimball Walker, a two-time all-star, face of the franchise. Then we let him walk. Just, you know, draft for the upside. And I'm not saying we have to take LaMelo, but let's go for upside. Let's not take the guy that's got this college pedigree. This is the NBA. We don't care what he did in college. We just want to know what he can do for us in the organization now.
2: I like it, Will. I like it. We'll see what happens.
3: Was it the Bulls got the first pick? Is that right? Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. Over there with with, uh, Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. This could get really interesting. Or the Minnesota Timberwolves, if they make the right choice, right now they're, predict- they're, they're projected to take uh, shooting guard Anthony Edwards from Georgia, uh, 6'5, 225. My goodness, uh, this could be outstanding for that team. Uh, we've got the Warriors projected to take Obi Topin right now. Listen, all this is going to change oh by the time we get there,
2: Golden but speed. if they
3: get Obi and he's and he, I mean, he's basically 6'9, 220. Him and Draymond on the court with Curry, uh, Clay, and, uh, and uh, geez, what's the guy's name? Andrew Wiggins uh, could be special. Charlotte, they've got us projected to take James Wiseman. I don't hate James Wiseman. He's 7'1", 235. We take LaMelo, guys. Take the splash play. And I think Wiseman will be fine. But I – I think we just need to go for the tremendous upside here. That, that's what I think. Anyway, we're. Uh, I don't want to get into too much draft prediction talk, but anyway, I, I, I at least wanted to get through those first three picks. Uh, could could get real interesting, man. Real
2: so much ball, so much ball going on. I, I didn't even pay attention to the draft lottery. I'd be lying if I looked. But I pulled it up now. Yeah, Charlotte top three, Chicago four. And the most New York Knicks thing possible with the eighth pick. Man, talk about a franchise that might need to turn around as, as much as Charlotte, you know, just the, the marketing capital of the world, you know, and there's been so many rumors of so many players turning a, a down a plane in New York. Like Kevin Durant coming out and saying that, you know, the Knicks were never good when I was growing up. Why would I want to play with the Knicks kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. you know, the, gotta get they got to get rid of Dolan. But, hey, that's like a separate <laughs> podcast. Maybe we'll talk some draft on some kind of special edition uh, yeah. as we get closer to it. But as for DFS, we had four games on Thursday. Yeah. The Bucks laid the hammer down for a majority of the game. I and mean, Orlando kind of creeped back in there. But we kind of thought Milwaukee would, would get it together, and, and they sure did in that one.
3: Any takeaways from the Bucks magic game? I didn't get a chance to see as much of that one because I was away from home uh, while that game was occurring. But what I will say is, I mean, it's what I expected. Uh, What I did not expect is for Chris Middleton to lay another clunker. Now, here's what I'm going to say right now. Chris Middleton pulled the wool over eyes the last year and and laid some clunkers in the playoffs as well. Uh, I'm hoping this isn't a thing. We will need Chris Middleton to show up for us the next game, or he's going to be a guy that I'm going to start putting in the category that may not be able to perform as well in the playoffs. Didn't play as well as he should have last year, and now we're struggling in Orlando. Uh, this, this does not look good for Chris Middleton and his big contract.
2: Yeah, when's he going to show up? I mean, he didn't show up, and guess who did? Pat Connaughton. Big game from Pat Connaughton. I mean, this, yeah. this is a deep team with a lot of veterans. I will be honest. I whiffed on George Hill, did not produce. I am shocked he did not produce. He was one of my favorite value plays of today and that's on me. Um, But Hey, you know, the, the playoffs are, you know, you got to go back to the well in some of these plays, the same Miami heat value guys that let a lot of people down on Tuesday, including myself in the world final, Duncan Robinson and Crowder combined for like 27 points. What did they do today? Went crazy. So same team, same matchup. But if you like to play for a reason or two, you know, these guys will find ways to produce. So I don't think a guy like George Hill has done in this series. The problem with Chris Middleton is, has he has he been good in the
3: bubble at all, Will? Uh, not, not exactly. And, 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 you know, I'm glad you brought that up, Justin. That leads me to my boy Jordan Collins at Scooter Turf on Twitter, you know, just reached out, man, and, and wanted me to elaborate just ever so slightly on you know uh, some of my experiences on how do you keep playing guys that are letting you down just kind of hopping back on that horse well you know here's kind of my rule of thumb and I'm going to use Dennis Schroeder because he's a guy I've kind of been high on in the bubble mind you I'm trying to get ahead of the curve here because Schroeder didn't play in the bubble as much this is actually his second game in the bubble today played a little bit better Uh, what I will say is this You know, you have to seize the moment, seize the opportunity, seize the right price, right? If a guy keeps letting you down at 8K um, and and you feel like, you know, you've gone a week and it's just not coming together, let's continue to look at the price. Look, if he's going from 8K to 7K, still in good matchups, I've got to assume that as an NBA player, he's going to, you know, creep out of a slump, especially in a good spot. And in the playoffs, the rotations are pretty stable for the most part. And uh, a guy like Chris Middleton, I'm going to use him as an example. I haven't been high on Chris Middleton, but, you know, we expect more. He's He's been 7K roughly across both sites. A guy that's got 40-point upside and a guy that should have stable minutes series to series, uh, I, th- I think you kind of stay the course with guys like that. Now, if we're going to talk about a guy like Alex Caruso, I don't feel the need to continuously play a guy like Alex Caruso. He's a really low floor guy, but a lot of our high floor guys and Chris Middleton is starting to prove that his floor is getting lower and lower. However, traditionally, he's got a pretty high floor. I think you have to stay the course with those guys and don't let recency bias creep in because we've all been there. You know, we'll play a guy, we'll play a guy, we'll hop off. And then the day you do that, he hits the he hits the game that you're looking for. So SGA, yeah. So just just stay the course. I mean, if the price is right, you have to keep firing. And here's the other thing too, especially if you're in multi-entry. And I, I hate to hog up so much of the time with this, but no, especially okay. if, especially if you're in multi-entry, you have you have recency bias and ownership on your side. So where SGA may be 30 percent on the first slate at 6,800 and let you down, he'll be probably. on the next slate at 6,600 and let you down. And then if you look today, he was 10% on FanDuel at 6,600. And he put up 40. And if you played him, you reap the rewards. Now, full disclosure, I didn't play any SGA, but I very seldomly play SGA at 6,800. He's just a guy X out of my pool most days because, because I don't feel like he's got the upside consistently enough for me to warrant taking the chance on him. I also run a very condensed player pool. But as my boy Justin said, SGA is a prime example. And I saw the ownership creep down on him from slate to slate to slate. He ended up at 10% today. I do feel like that was too low. If I knew he was going to be 10%, I probably would have played him.
2: Yeah, good stuff right there, Will. Good stuff. Uh, Chris Middleton, man, he's a guy who's pretty much the definition of high floor. You know, At least during the, the regular season, he was pretty much all year when he's priced around that seven K to 76 range, he's got, you can just kind of plug in. If you're playing in something safe, you know, I, I don't know what's going on now. I, I I'm confident he will knock the rust off soon, whatever it is. I I don't think this is going to be a long-term thing with Chris Middleton, but they paid him. You're right. You know, they could have threw money at, at many different people as one of the main supporting cast of Giannis. So, Milwaukee's just built a little bit differently. They don't have a big three. Chris Middleton needs to step it up if they want to have a a quote-unquote big two. I do think Middleton is one of the most underrated players in basketball. Eric Bledsoe has some health issues. He's not even playing 30 minutes. He hasn't consistently played 30 minutes in probably two years. Um, But it's just a deep team of guys who who are good pros and really good. Like, you know, Brooke Lopez is of the world. And you got guys like DiVincenzo, who makes big shots, So kind of an odd way to put together a team is it's just more of a, an organic way to do it in this day and age. Everybody goes out and gets their free agents usually. Um, But you know, you're in a market like Milwaukee, for example, you're in a market like Charlotte, you know, until the culture changes and no offense, well, but nobody really wants to go to that team. Now, if the Bucks had any cap space, you can line up the people down the block to play with Giannis. Am I right? So Chris Middleton, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about him. You know, I'll go back to them, but uh, it's tough right now. In a series where I really do think Milwaukee's probably going to lay the hammer down the rest of the way, now that the first one's out of the way, the first loss, you know, kind of that hit in the face. But well, let, let's get going. Let's get going. I know if we, got, we could talk for hours about five million different things, uh, but we're here for Friday's DFS slate. And uh, first game of the night, Well, or the day, what do you got over there?
3: Man, Toronto at Brooklyn, uh, I'm not going to say this game has been a thorn in my side, I've been officially fading Brooklyn players every slate. Uh, don't think I'm going to stop now. I'm looking at these prices on FanDuel. Uh, you know, uh, we've got Tyler Johnson at 4,200. He had a, had a floor game or what I would call a ceiling game for him at this price. Uh, put up 20 fantasy points. I don't think he's going to go much further past 20. He's getting the X button. I keep looking at my boy, Karis LeVert. And, and look, while Karis keeps putting up 40 43 to 41. He's playing big minutes. I'm actually more inclined to play him now that I don't have my boy uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell to play. Uh, spoiler alert, I will be fading Donovan Mitchell with uh, Mike Conley coming back. So, with that being the case, I might actually have a sprinkle of Karis LaVert on this slate. Um, but I, I'm just, I'm not going out of my way to play Brooklyn Nets. They are playing hard. Look, i I, I like what they're doing. But at the end of the day, I just don't feel like. I need someone from the Brooklyn Nets in my lineup uh to take to take down a tournament. I, I just don't feel that way. So, uh and I I think I'm right. So I'm I'm not playing any Brooklyn Nets not on FanDuel anyway. Maybe outside of LaVert because I do feel like I may need someone in that 7 to 8k range to to carry me all the way, but trust me, we've got on a guy on the other side that I think we'll talk about. Yeah, you could name this thing the Fred Van Fleet podcast. How do you not like the guy? The guy's
2: a psychopath. He's playing at an unreal rate right now. And, okay, maybe maybe he's the new high floor. You know, 7,600 after the two monster games he's had, I thought we'd see 8K on DraftKings. Not the case. He's playing mega minutes. Um, You know, two games where the first one was blown open and Brooklyn came back. So, if this game is within a dozen points to 15 points, I mean, he should see – a decent amount of run. I think a big thing is for Fred Van Fleet, he's in a contract year. So he's playing his behind off. You know, this guy is going to get paid. And if he keeps playing in the postseason like this, he's going to really get paid. So I am I'm, I'm going back to Fred Van Fleet. I'm not going to steal your thunder here. But he's my favorite overall
3: play in this game collectively. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I did want to point this out. I wish I actually knew what they were going to do with Norman Powell. Okay. Norman Powell played 32 minutes in the last game. If I knew Norman Powell was going to get 32 minutes the rest of the way, he would be almost a lock button for me at 4,900 on FanDuel. The problem is I have no clue what they're going to do. He played 16 minutes the first game in what was a pretty massive blowout most of the way until Brooklyn came back. So, I want to play some Norman Powell. I, I, just, I, mean, I am going to play some, but I, I hope I know what's going on with the menace. But overall in this team, I mean, you know who to play. It's Lowry. It's Van Vliet. Uh, Pascal Siakam has not got going in this bubble. Uh, barely eclipsing 40 points in most games has only eclipsed one. Part of that, I think, is because Fred Van Vliet has really started to dial up the scoring. Uh, maybe his, his time will come on, on this slate. I've been fading Pascal, and it's been working out. At some point, it is going to burn me. I just hope it's not this late. I think I'm not going to be playing any Pascal Siakam uh, yet again, and, and I'll just let the chips fall where they may, especially when I have some other, other small forwards on this slate that I trust a whole lot more right now. We are getting to the point
2: uh, on DK, though, where he is just ultra safe at 7,300. And
3: Oh, psh, totally different scenario. What, what is he over on, FanDuel? He is 7,700.
2: Okay, okay. And plus the position alignment is different on each site. Yeah. Siakam is a guy who, a lot like Vucevic during the regular season, he ha- I don't know what the first quarter scoring is for fantasy, but he seems to just go off early and you're like, wow, here we go, on the way to, to the Siakam 50 bomb, and then he just disappears and disappears. And you look at his overall, overall stat line and they look pretty good, but it's like he does all of his damage in the first half all the time. Uh, maybe they just have more confidence closing with the lat with you know with one of the most underrated backcourts in the league. I don't think you know people talk about Portland and rightfully so, and of course the Splash Brothers when they're healthy. But how about Van Fleet and Lowry guys? I mean, they they are just so ultra consistent and ultra competitors. A little undersized at the one and the two, but they've shown that they can get it done. Regardless, Siakam seventy three hundred. I mean, he is he's right there and he's sniffing six times value one of these games. You know, all he needs is is a couple extra points here, and he's going to get it, especially if the game's close. I'm not saying it's going to be on Friday, but 7,300, you know, he is uh, maybe my second favorite option in this game overall. A, well, a big thing in this game, though, Chief, you know, we got to bring up Joe Harris left the bubble, and he's been absolutely smashing, and for some reason, when they priced this out, he's still 4,900. I know he's not playing, uh, non-medical personal matter, so Who are we going to see step up here? Are we going to see some more TLC
3: involved? He's playing a lot of minutes, but will he get some more shots up? Well, TLC's taking shots. I I I definitely think, you know, he's going to be a guy that they probably plug in. I I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, he's arguably been one of their better players in the bubble. When When guys sit or when they're not sitting, I mean, when he gets running this bubble, he's been, dare I say, fantastic for the price. Well, he played 31 minutes, uh, I mean, excuse me, 33 minutes against the first game in Toronto and 35 minutes in the second game. I have to assume he's going to be at 30 minutes or more. Uh, but now he's starting. He's 5,100 on fan duel. I, I still don't feel like I need Brooklyn Nets. And that, and that that's my concern because I have to take stands the way I play. Excuse me. I take stands. So, the Brooklyn Nets are just a team that I'm just going to keep xing out. They're playing well, but uh, I'm just I'm not taking any chances. That's fair. That's
2: fair. Uh, you know, this is four gamer, but there's a lot of teams with a lot of high usage guys. We can talk about Denver and Utah now. And Mike Conley is back, and he only missed what two games, so I'm not really worried about conditioning. But you know, we talked about earlier, we might pump the brakes on Donovan Mitchell maybe we pump the brakes on Joe Ingles a little just because they're going to be handling the ball a lot less. Uh, you know, obviously both guys have upside more, so Ingles still in the 5K range. And I'm not saying Mitchell's a bad play. I don't think he'll carry much ownership, especially with the other studs on this play, on this slate. So, you know, depending on what kind of GPP you're in. Um, but, yeah, just big note here. Mike Conley's back, and that affects quite a bit, Chief.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you pull up Court IQ – um, you know, you'll kind of see real quickly, even though uh, Donovan Mitchell owns a 31.1% usage rate, he's averaging 1.16 points per minute. And I've only taken off Ed Davis and Bogdanovich, okay? Uh, Gobert is right behind him, but Gobert is a lot cheaper now. Um, and Mike Conley only owns a 0. .91. And then Joe Ingles is at 0. .81. Joe Ingles' usage rate is down to 15.6%. I... I can't pull the trigger on Mitchell here at these prices with Conley back. If if you watch the games, you see the ball's not in his hands. And Conley's been playing a lot better in the bubble than he was the regular season. I think, you know, just part of him getting healthy and getting back, back in it. Um, listen, I've been rolling with Donovan, Donovan in this bubble the first two games. I, I don't think I can play him in that spot.
2: No, no, that's fair. But what a big boost. To that Utah team getting Mike Conley back and a very very good perimeter defender, now, Jamal Murray didn't have a great game too, but we saw what his ceiling is in Game One. So they have to be thrilled to getting Mike Conley back to kind of stick on Jamal Murray, Chief.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think they're going to be very excited about it, and, and also what it does too is it it increases the depth. I know it's only one person, but now we don't have to run Jordan Clarkson out 35 minutes. Uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson can get back down to that 28-minute minute range, you know, 26 to 28-minute range, maybe 30. But, you know, they don't have to rely on him as much for scoring, you know. They really were relying on him for scoring. I mean, if you look at this other game against Denver, he put up 26 points. Uh, I mean, he was a big part of that offense, that scoring attack the last game, put up 18 points the game before that. You know, you got to think though, a lot of these points now are going to be distributed even more evenly. Uh, throughout, throughout this team. So another guy that I, I don't think I'm going to be interest, as interested in is Royce O'Neill. Man, you're stealing and, my thunder. <laughs> and, and I like Royce, man. I mean, but yep. I, I can't play Royce with, when this team is at full health. I mean, he's going to have less shots. And, look, he's, he's kind of a, a glue guy. He is still going to go out and get peripheral stats, right? So I'm not as afraid of Royce as I am actually of Mitchell because Mitchell's a lot higher priced. So – Roy is a guy I'm not going to go all in on. Like I've been like, I've been playing Roy's at like 35, 40% the past two slates. Now he's a guy I may have it more like 10%, but uh, you know, I I just think it really changes the dynamics of this team. Uh, Even go bare. I'm going to think through things differently and just kind of let the chips fall where they may.
2: Yeah. And I like Royce Sonio a lot. I'm a big fan, but I'm going to pump the brakes a little. And he does have upside because you're 4,100. All you need is a couple fluke things to happen and you're crushing. Fluke things like having eight assists in a game. He had eight assists last game. How many times this year has he had eight assists? Zero. How many times this year has he had seven assists? Zero. (laughs) Get where I'm going here. How many times has he had six assists? Only two. (laughs) Okay. Nothing against his his ability to pass the ball, but – a little fluky there, right? I mean, a guy gets three, four assists on the reg. You know, thats probably more realistic. And more often so, less than three assists. So that was kind of an outlier game. And it's possible. Or maybe he gets a couple steals. Like, you don't have to do much at 4,100. And it's crazy to not have it's – it's crazy to hit the X button on him. But you got to pump the brakes on Royce O'Neal. You know, if you're playing one lineup and he's the last guy in, maybe. Okay, maybe. You know, there's not a ton of value here on a four-gamer. But – just be wary of Royce O'Neill. He crushed last game. It's going to be hard for him to follow up, especially with Mike Conley back.
3: Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm with you 100%. All
2: right, all right. So we talked a lot of Utah. And, I mean, I guess we need to, to hear if Quinn Snyder plans on doing anything with, uh, with Mike Conley. Because, uh, I mean, he's 5,900 on DK. I mean, I'll consider him. I'm not writing him off. Uh, But I do like Jordan Clarkson less, for sure. What are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, listen, I'm I'm just going to talk about Clarkson. I I for sure uh, don't like Jordan Clarkson as much. Now, what I will say is Jordan Clarkson is one of those guys that he's 5,400 on FanDuel. He's one of those guys where you might always want to sprinkle. Because you don't ever know when that 35, 40-point game is coming from him off the bench, kind of like what he did the other night. Now, obviously, it was a little bit different scenario. No Mike Connick. But in 28 minutes, 26 points, four rebounds, three assists, one steal, ironically, no turnovers that game. Put up 38 FanDuel points. And, I mean, listen, if 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 Jordan Clark, if you're going to get 38 FanDuel points at 5,400, I think you'd accept that every day of the week. No questions asked if we told you that's what it was going to be before the slate started. Um, So I will have a sprinkle, but I'm I'm not. And I was a lot higher on Jordan Clarkson with with him out, you know, in terms of my exposure. uh, But, yeah, definitely going to be limiting him uh, now that Conley's back.
2: No, a sprinkle is fair, fair. And it's a situational price thing, you know. Mike Conley's back. He's 5,500. If Mike Conley's back and he's 4,500, you know, you're going more, right? For sure. Exactly. Kind of a typically scoring dependent kind of player who averages like between 15 and 17 points per game. And, you know, you don't know if he's going to get those peripherals. That's always a big question mark with him. So definitely, you know, think about that before you hit the, you know, before you hit the Jordan Clarkson button tomorrow, Mike Conley's back. We got to get some reports
3: on what they, what they plan on doing with him. Uh, You want to get over to the Denver side of things? Yeah, let's get it, man. Listen, one of my favorite guys from Denver right now is going to be Nikola Jokic across both sites. Uh, Listen, and I love what FanDuel has done here. Let me give you these stats real quick. Nikola Jokic, uh, first game against Utah, this is the overtime game, 29 points, 10 rebounds, three assists, one block, two steals, four turnovers. 50 FanDuel points. Next game, 31 minutes. 28 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 turnovers, 48 fantasy points. Let's look at Joel Embiid. This is just to prove a point. Haven't got to that game yet. First game against Boston, 37 minutes, 26 points, 16 rebounds. 1 assist, 1 block, 2 steals, 5 turnovers, 50 fantasy points. Second game against Boston, 34 minutes, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, One block, two-turner, was 51 fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, Joel Embiid is 10-1. Nikola Jokic is 9,400. That is a huge pricing discrepancy for two guys that are putting up similar fantasy outputs all over Nikola Jokic on this slate. Obviously, I'm not hitting the lock button on Fanduel because I, I hate locking center, but I would be really close on this slate when Joel Embiid is priced up and Nikola Jokic has pretty much dropped down in price when he was 9600 just just a, just a uh, game ago, but now he's priced down. Doesn't make much sense to me in the algorithm. Nikola Jokic, my favorite play from Denver on this slate.
2: I'm with you, Will. I've talked about Jokic on every playoff podcast or video or whatever I've done for Roto Grinders so far because Mike Malone will run him into the ground in the playoffs. 16 career playoff games, averaging 39 and a half minutes per game, 25 points per game. 12.7 rebounds and almost eight assists. Are you kidding me? And a steal. And almost a block. What more do you want? What more do you want at not even 10K? I, I, I don't know what else to tell you, guys. He, look, those playoff numbers are scary. They're almost like yeah. historically scary, right? And it's not like yeah. a five-game clip. It's 16 games. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's laughable. Sign me up, man. I'm in on Jokic. The guy's a beast. He plays well against Gobert also.
3: Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, listen, we're talking about, you know, guys we want to go back to the well on. Oh, man, Michael Porter Jr., if you went back to the well the other day, you were rewarded 38 fantasy points in 32 minutes, uh, 28.6 rebounds, one block, no turnovers, Uh, you know. And I'm not sure how Mike Malone is going to handle him. But even in the game where they sat him, he still played 31 minutes. Looks like the minutes are around 30 to me. The question is, do you think he's going to hit the scoring numbers? Because he is going to get rebounds, not going to get a lot of assists. That's who Michael Porter is. When I look through this game log, I see scoring, I see rebounds. I don't see a lot of assists. So you've got to hope that he can get 20 to 25 real points and probably six to eight rebounds. That's what you have to look for and, and pray that he gets one or two assists and a block or a steal, and that will get you home. Uh, But I I still think – I don't think you need to be uh, uh, dialing back your Michael Porter shares. I think you need to keep those, uh, especially when the price isn't creeping up. Uh, Monty Morris was a really, really, really uh, heavily owned value play uh, on the plate the last time because I think his fantasy performance from the game before. But I don't mind playing him as long as his price is going to be below 4K on FanDuel. So he is a value point guard uh, that we can look at here.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think it kind of depends on what Jamal Murray you're getting. Are you going to get the guy that's streaky and, and getting his with that high usage? And if a couple shots go in, he's, he's going to keep chucking. If not, you know, especially maybe with Mike Conley back, maybe he's a little more passive. And uh, Royce O'Neill is a good defender. You know, Joe Ingles is not. Those are probably the two guys that will probably switch on and off him for, for much of the game. And I like going to Michael Porter. He's 6,700. I do not mind that at all. We've been on Michael Porter since uh, since we've been doing podcasts together. And you're allowed a bad game or two, right? But, man, did he really prove his worth in the bubble it, without Gary Harris, without Will Barton? How scary would his Nuggets team be? I know they'd probably have to figure out their identity with all these personalities and all, all these guys and only one basketball to go around. But could you imagine them at full health right now? They would be one bad team.
3: Well, game. honestly, <laughs> I, I think Mike Malone has the formula, and I think the formula is this: I think Jamal Murray is going to start. I think Gary Harris is probably going to start. I think MPJ is going to start at the three. I think they'll either start uh, a Millsap or Grant at the four, and I think they'll start Jokic at the five. Yeah, I think they will send Will Barton back to the bench as the sixth man again, and that might help Will Barton because his production will probably go through the roof when he's the guy. Uh, so, you know, Will Barton started a lot this year. I don't, I don't think they can send Michael Porter Jr. into a six-man role. If they did that, I'd love him even more. But I, I think Barton becomes the de facto six-man. I think he can be, a, you know, a Lou Williams type, a Dennis Schroeder type, okay. you know, a guy that comes off the bench and just burns you, and, and you don't see the offensive drop-off. I think that's the formula for this team, and if that comes to fruition, they will be dangerous. He is, you know, if you watch
2: playoff ball, you hear the commentators talk about energy guys. Montrez, Harrell, Gabriel on Portland now getting thrown in there. Will Barton is an energy guy. He's going vertical. He's going to the cup. The ball's going up, and he's the perfect injection of life if your first unit needs that, you know, early on in the ball game. So and I think he prefers that. Guys have made careers coming off as a six man that should be, could be starting on every other team in the league. Lou Williams, you know. Jamal Crawford for 20 years. Guys like that. Um, Will Barton, I, I like that. I, you know, you can't ask for a better six-man, and there's maybe one or two, you know, arguably better six fans in the league, and maybe Will Barton is in that discussion as well. So we'll see what happens when they're fully healthy. We got two more games on the slate tonight, Chief. But before we get to the Sixers in Boston, get on over there to your app store, download DraftKings, promo code Grind, GR. I N D. the season is winding down. It continues to do so, but there are plenty of loaded prize pools on DraftKings. G-R-I-N-D is the promo code, and we're all here at Roto Grinders to help you out along the way. Check out our premium tools. You are missing out if you're not. Now that I got that out of the way, Philly and Boston. I mean, I'm not going to talk about how I feel as a Sixers fan. I'm putting all all of my emotions (laughs) beside me. I will say that I hope it's quick, I hope it's painless, and I hope Brett Brett Brown and Elton Elton Brand grab one last cheesesteak from Jim's and they're on the next train out of Philly. No offense, and I love Elton Brand as a player, but it's just not working out. Anyway, we have a game to talk about, 6.30 on Friday, and hey, Jason Tatum is, you know, Kemba Walker said it. He's a superstar. Talk to me about Jason Tatum, Will.
3: Listen, I – first of all, I've been watching these games because obviously they've been a little bit more in the evening, so, you know, the kids are not a little bit more calm, not really watching, you know, Frozen or, uh, you know, all the Disney Plus movies Frozen. or non-Disney Plus movies. Uh, we just watched Dumbo the other day. That was good. Okay,
2: we got a new uh Child Disney movie segment. Uh Secret Pets of Life 2 is a big one in my household over oh, here. Oh man,
3: yeah. Uh listen, Z-Zootopia. we can talk about this for days. Yeah. So, oh yeah, Zootopia. That's that's actually one of my favorites to watch with them. Uh but yeah, so here's what I'm saying. To get to get back on track here, Jason Tatum, as I've watched these games, you know, develop. He really looks unstoppable out there in this particular series. And I want to stress that. This particular series, Jason Tatum looks unstoppable. And I don't think you'd know that through the box score. You'd have to be watching the game. Guys, I mean, they're running plays for him. He's in the post. He's shooting the sidestep three-pointer. He's getting to the line. He's hitting the mid range. He's hitting the floater. He's pretty much doing whatever he wants. He played 41 minutes in the first game, got 57 fantasy points, played 30 minutes against Philly in, a, in what was a, a pretty good blowout. I mean, just handed it to him. 33-5-5, five five, 46 fantasy points. If we're able to get 36 to 38-minute Jason Tatum, I feel like he's going to hit 50 every time in this series. No, uh, uh, no Hayward in the mix. I think it just solidifies everything he's going to do. I'm telling you right now, folks, Jason Tatum is a lock button if I've never seen it before. We'll be locking him in in every lineup on FanDuel. And I really like Kemba here. Kimba showed us what he could do. He's 7,200. Uh, I'm just hoping Philly can keep this game close. Kemba, 25 minutes, 22 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, 32 fantasy points. Something similar as well for Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown here. Played, I think, around 30 minutes, 28 minutes, excuse me, 20 points, five rebounds, one assist, one block, 30.5 fantasy points. If this game can stay close, we know where the production is coming from on Boston. It's not Brad Wanamaker. It's not Daniel Tice. It's not Enos Cantor. It's Brown. It's Kemba. It's Tatum. Philly, show up and try to earn this game so we can get our fantasy production from Boston.
2: Yeah, and I will tell you, I've watched a lot of 76ers games, and wings against Sixers has been a problem. They got rid of J.J. Redick, thought he was the liability issue. It wasn't J.J. Redick. It's the scheme. Wings wing scoring players against the Sixers are a huge issue. We see many randoms go off against the against the Sixers. Now you get some of the best wings in the league. And, and Jalen Brown and Tatum are doing their thing. I will go back to Jalen Brown as often as I can, you know, blowout. Look, look at what they put up in a blowout against Philly. And Philly just couldn't score the basketball. The thing with Tatum is they're just running a real simple stack play uh, many times down the court. Some stuff you, you drop in middle school and Tatum's coming off the stack. He's either taking the pick or he can get a quick ISO and that's it. Take it to the bank he's making it look effortless you want to talk about two guys that have really made the jump over the last two and a half years Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum I mean they are they're incredible and, you know Kemba's fitting right in with them and I know this probably hurts I'm sorry I, we're talking Kemba guy dare I say Kemba's a better fit than Kyrie is there maybe a little a uh, little more unselfish you know thinks the world isn't flat you know that's a win too and uh Boston's is going to be a tough out. You know, you got guys like Daniel Thyssen, and cancer stepping in. Uh, if they had one, uh, one big guy in the middle, like a Nurkic or another big piece. That would be a lethal team. And it still could be very scary. The Celtics could very well be in the NBA finals, especially when you get Tatum. You know, Jalen Brown is underrated. You know, he's a guy who you'll, you'll see why well, he had like 32 DKP and it was a blowout. Didn't get a ton of run, but Jalen Brown's a guy who went for 52 games ago, a guy you can go back to the well with. The thing is, if you're targeting multiple guys on Boston here, you're going to have to run it back with someone, most likely, from Philly, right? Because otherwise this thing will get out of hand like we saw. And, you know, if you go Tatum and you go Embiid, you know, you you might be reaching for some value here or there. So it's going to be tough. I mean, just in terms of that game staying close, Tobias Harris has been horrible. Of course, we like to go back to the well with guys who are as talented as him. But I, 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 I'm I trying to find the post about it. He's gone, like, many postseason games in a row without cracking 20 points. So, I, I guess on the Philly side of the thing, Embiid, is he an obvious player for you? I know in FanDuel it's a lot different because you have Jokic at a criminally low price over there. So, is Embiid, like, is he more of, like, a contrarian play at this point
3: on Friday slate? I don't think so because I think that – you know, uh, player sentiment, I think they're going to side with Embiid every time. I think in the players' minds, Embiid feels like the safer play because the usage is there. No Ben Simmons, not really, doesn't really have too many guys to share it with. And I do agree. However, I think there's a benefit to guys playing with the team around them where the ball can move and it doesn't have to stick and guys can take more shots and get more open looks. And, you know, so that, that's why I'm probably going to side with Jokic and, and Jokic is still a lot cheaper. I, for one, am with you. I'm waiting for Tobias Harris to get going here. Uh, I, I really expected more out of him. You know, got the big contract. I, I thought he would do fairly well in these playoffs, especially because of, you know, the type of player he is and type of body build and his size. And, and look, it's just not coming together. When Josh Richardson uh, is, is out here scoring more points than Tobias Harris, I think we have a problem, folks. Uh, Josh Richardson isn't making nearly as much money as Tobias. And you wonder why certain guys stay on the court, why Charlotte had to keep playing Nick Batum at least for two or three years. It was a contract situation. They can't sit a $120 million player on the bench and explain that to management. Same thing for Tobias Harris. He's got to get going. They're paying him too much. He needs to pick it up.
2: Tobias Harris has gone one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10 straight games without cracking 20 points in the playoffs for the Sixers dating back to – of the Eastern Conference series against Brooklyn last year. So, take that objective information for for what it's worth. I, I don't know what to tell you. We know the guy's talented. He's had some monster regular season games. He's got to step it up. You know, he's getting the minutes. Yeah. If it's close, you can run it back with Tobias and GPP. If you're not going Embiid, we know the talent's there. It's it's just been a while in the postseason since we've seen it. Even Richardson is being aggressive and stepping up, man. I mean, I have no problem looking at t- giving Josh Richardson a look tomorrow on this game. What is Richardson over there on FanDuel, Chief? On DraftKings,
3: he's five K. He's five K. Okay. First right. of all, what's Brett Brown doing with Alec Burks here? I don't know. What man. are we doing? I don't know, uh, Fifteen I don't know. minutes. He's he, he's one of the better scores on the team. This guy could be the sixth man, a game changer for you when they take out Tatum and they take out Brown and just leave Kimba in the crew, or they take out Kimba and Tatum and leave Kim and leave. The, let this guy help your team. I, I don't know what happened. I'm not sure if he, you know, you know, stole Brett Brown's candy bar, ate his bag of chips. But for him to get 15 minutes in this spot is just god awful.
2: I, I I couldn't tell ya. If anybody knows me or, or sees me on Twitter, I'm I'm not a Brett Brown fan. I, I've never been since day one. I know a lot of people are jumping chip now, but I I was never on the bandwagon. I, it seems like a nice guy, you know. I, I hear him talking press conferences. I don't always like what he says, but you know, he's just not getting it done. Oddly enough, you know, guy who was with Greg Popovich for years, just making a lot of questionable decisions. Anyway, anybody else
3: in that game or you want to go to the to the, the late night Friday night hammer? Well, I will say this. I think Marcus Smart is always viable if he's gonna get 30 minutes and he's under 6K. He's 5,500, played 29 minutes, would have probably played 34 to 35 minutes. <laughs> excuse me, uh, had it not been a blowout. So he's a guy I do trust. I love guys with a high minutes floor. I trust Marcus Smart. Uh, I I think he's a good value play on FanDuel. I do think he can get to 30 fantasy points.
2: I like it. Yeah, he's (laughs) always a GPP wild card there. Clippers Dallas Chief, Friday night, main event. Uh, Patrick Beverly was ruled out, which opened up some things for guys like Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson got some run, and on the Dallas side of things, Luka Doncic is incredible, and that's nothing new. Where do you want to start in this one?
3: Man, I, I, I'm just going to start on the Clippers' side since supposedly they're away on this one. Uh, Paul George has had a really rough game the last game, uh, 14 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, still put up 30 points. Listen, he had a rough game. Had some foul trouble. Uh, just, just did not get it done, um, and he's not hitting the ceiling that, that we're accustomed to in these playoffs. If if you look, things are just kind of running through Kawhi. Kawhi is kind of taking over, and they, and but the price gap between Kawhi and Paul George is starting to widen, almost about 2000, almost about a two thousand dollar difference. The way I feel about this scenario is Paul George could easily go out and drop thirty five real points in this game. Uh, And if he gets some rebounds and assists, he's going over 40 easily. Uh, I I think now is the time to buy on Paul George while he's at 7,900. If we happen to get some Patrick Beverly missing again, we saw what Lou Williams was able to do in 31 minutes. 23 points, four rebounds, seven assists. This is kind of what we were looking for. Under 6K, we've got him at 5,600 on FanDuel. I think this is a great price for him. You know, we talked about Reggie Jackson getting a little bit of run here, by a little bit. I do mean twenty-six minutes. Didn't do as much as we had hoped. I, I really wish Reggie would. If he plays twenty-six minutes, I'm looking for twenty-five fantasy points. Didn't quite get there, but if we know he's going to get that that those amount of minutes at thirty-five hundred on FanDuel, I think you have to consider him. I, I think he's in the discussion. This center situation in for the Clippers now. It's just god-awful. Uh, you have to fade these guys. I don't think you can play Harrell or Zubac, uh until they get going. Surprisingly, last thing, Marcus Morris has probably been the, the best player, you know, or one of the best players on this team in the bubble so far, playing really consistently. And I'm not just talking about fantasy. Like, you have to watch the game to, to see what I'm saying. But trying to play really good defense, hitting open shots, getting rebounds, Uh, He did have four steals in the uh, uh, the first game. He's not going to do that every game, but I I like what I'm seeing out of Marcus Morris in real life basketball, and it's actually translating to fantasy. If he's going to hit open shots and get rebounds, he's a guy we'll continue to trust at 5100.
2: Yeah, and the big story is the Clippers are actually like bottom third in the league in defending the pick and roll, and in game one, Marcus Morris was playing some five because Luca was just dismantling the Clippers in the pick-and-roll game, as he does against most teams. So Morris is finding a way to get on the court. He's shooting 10, 12 times a game, and he's playing really well. Only a 200 increase on DraftKings at 5K. That's, you know, you're looking at a big opportunity to hit six times value there. I do like that. Paul George, game one, played a good real-life basketball game. I rostered him in the World Fantasy Basketball Championship for DK. He had like 17 DK points in the first four and a half minutes. He ended with 38 and a half. Paul George had 27 real points. And oddly enough, the peripherals just weren't there, which which is kind of rare for him. Two rebounds and three dimes. That's it. Game two. The peripherals were there. Ten rebounds. Two assists and a block. But he shot very poorly. Four for 17 from the field. 14 real points. Is he going to get it together? I think he's a buy-low candidate. The price is fair. That's a decent floor at that price. So I like the idea of of going back to Paul George. I, I think he's going to get it
3: together finally here for us. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying, man. Buy low. Look, and and, and the thing on FanDuel is I think – and when I say I feel like you have to make a decision, what I'm saying is how high are you going to go because you have to feel like Fred VanVleet may get more ownership than Paul George on this slate with how he's been playing. I. I'm not saying it's a complete mistake because Fred Van Vliet's been hot. But if you're telling me Paul George and Fred Van Vliet are the same price, I'm going to side with Paul George 10 times out of 10. Uh, So, you know, this may be a slate where I I get real good in the mid-range and I play some Paul George and Van Vliet together or something like that. But uh, I just – I think we need to kind of turn our minds and say, hey, now might be a time to buy Paul George. I really like how you broke it down. If the peripherals and scoring come together, like I said, I think he's this candidate to score 35 real points at some point. And if he does that, uh, he's going to be well on his way at 7,900. I-, I really like him here.
2: And no shame in playing Fred and Paul together. Uh, it's hard to pass up Fred 76 on DK. We'll see. Another guy who seems very safe, especially with Beverly out, is Lou Williams, 5,600. Uh, first game, played 30, 31 minutes. Excuse me. Shot the ball 10 times. Uh, 14 real points for 27.25 DKP. I mean, you could live with that. Uh, you know, it's not going to crush you. Uh, he went off game two, 39 DraftKings points, seven assists, four rebounds, was very much so more involved in that offense. Um, and you know, maybe you know, some guys are stealing more shots from Paul George in the past. You know a guy who shoot 20 plus times in the game, but you got Lou Williams playing more now. You got Marcus Morris more involved, the guy who also likes to get his and um, a guy who who's Marcus Morris is matched up against Luca, so he's got to be a little aggressive and try to maybe get Luca in foul trouble, um, or uh, you know try to wear him down a little bit. So a lot of Clippers are in play. You know Dallas guys are in play here. Luca, how good is this kid, Chief? Luca, Luca, Luca. In 28 minutes, 50 DKP last game. Scoring is not the problem. You know the, this pick and roll game. They. The Clippers really haven't found an answer. I don't know if there is an answer in defending Luka Doncic. There there might not be. There might not be. Um, So, Luka, obviously, is is maybe the the highest ceiling on the slate, in my opinion. Um, And I think it's worth noting, is Rick Carlisle just playing head games, getting Boban in there? My man scored 25 DraftKings points in 10 minutes in game two.
3: Yeah, man, he's trying to make up for all the DFS hearts he's broken along the way this season. Uh, please don't don't let him psych you out. I, I would not be playing Boban. He could easily play two minutes. Uh, and also, you know, Krista, I, I don't know what's going on with Krista. I know they're saying he got he's got this heel thing. and uh, But I, I think he's gonna be fine. He played 36 minutes, 23.7 rebounds. He's now 8500. I do feel like Krista is another by low candidate on FanDuel. I know I talked about locking in Jason Tatum, and that's purely from me watching the game, understanding that Jason Tatum looks like a man amongst boys in this series. However, Chris Porzingis at this price still feels like an incredibly good play here. You know, and I I keep talking about price differences. We're at a $2,000 difference between Luka and Porzingis. And while Luka does have more upside game-to-game I still feel like from what we've seen in the bubble, Porzingis has equal upside if he gets going and can stay out of foul trouble. I, I think this is another semi by low candidate. Chris Taps Porzingis is a guy that I like. Uh, and, I, and I think you know where the production is coming from on this team is coming from those two guys. If you stick with those two guys, you're going to turn out fine. Tim Hardaway Jr., 5,300 on FanDuel. I think he's just a guy you kind of plug in as a last piece or get light exposure. Playing massive minutes. I love guys playing minutes. So I think you always get exposure to a guy like this when he's going to be playing 35 to 38 minutes.
2: You know, value wise, I like Seth Curry at 3,900. Not sure what his ceiling is, but uh, you know, a guy that averages 25 and a half points per game. He's seen on average about 28 minutes over the first two. So I think, yeah, there's some decent value options, GPP value on the Dallas side. Of course, you got a cheap Maxi Kleber although he's very, very volatile. Trey Burke did all of his damage in 18 minutes, seven for 11 from the floor. I don't know. He, he was, I don't know. He picked up five fouls. I didn't get back to look at the game flow. I don't remember where he picked them up. Maybe he would have saw more run. Um, but if I'm looking for any value on the Dallas side of the ball, you have your options. Of course, Finney Smith is always cheap, but always super volatile as well. So if I'm
3: picking one, I'm picking Seth Curry on the Dallas side. Yeah, man. And that's about where I'm at. I'm kind of sticking with the main guys and, and I'm going to roll it from there.
2: All right, let's get to the good stuff, the GPP food of the day, and I couldn't really think of anything, but I live in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and there are some crazy weird recipes and creations in towns with populations of like 50 people that You might, you know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, it might be scary to go to late at night because you were literally with no cell phone service kind of thing. So no one in the world knows about these these wonderful creations here in Pennsylvania. But so I was going to ask you, Chief, is there anything in Charleston that is like very local that maybe a lot of people that haven't visited or or locals might not know about it?
3: Yeah, man, uh, you know, we've got something here. And it's not a weird food. It, it is delicious. It is delectable. It's called the low country boil. Uh, if you haven't had this low country boil, here's what's in it. You've got, uh, either you cut you up your potatoes. So either rustic, uh, your traditional Idaho, or, you know, red potatoes, however you want to do it, you cut those up, you've got shrimp in it. There's sausage in it. And by sausage, there's a brand called Roger Wood Sausage, which is more of a lumberjack sausage. That's what's going to be in there. Uh, and you're also going to have your crab legs in there as well, or regular crabs, okay? Listen, you're going to season this thing with Old Bay seasoning. Maybe you get you some Tony Satchery's as well. Maybe you put your, you know, uh, cut you up an onion and get that thing in there. Low country boil. Some people do a garlic version of the low country boil and a garlic sauce. My goodness, um, my taste buds. I'm salivating right now at the thought of getting a pan of this. Uh, really good stuff. Something that's here local to the area. I learned how to make it when I was a kid from my uncle. And uh, you know, it's just something that gets passed down from generation to generation. Low country boil people uh, get you some, if you haven't had it, look up a recipe online, you can do it at home. Really good stuff.
2: Yeah. And tweet us out. What are some local foods near you that we don't know about? We, we want to hear what you have to say. I don't know if there's any unwritten rules of of burgers and combinations, and I was very suspect to this when I when I ordered this and and ate this for the first time. But there is a place in the middle in the heart of Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. I don't know if there's anyone out there in DFS NBA land that has been in Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania. But I I live I, I I lived in the area for a while, and there's a place called Tony's Lunch that takes cash only. There are places that take cash only, and they happen to be in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, and a screamer was invented there. And what a screamer is, hamburger, like a burger. I don't think it's like grilled in the barbecue, more like kind of like a burger you get at a fair, you know, something like that. You know, that's kind of its own niche as a, as a burger. Put some raw onions on that thing. Some spicy chili sauce, right? So you get a kick on it. Cheese is optional, right? So here you got this burger with some spice on it. Here, here's the, the out of left field thing about a screamer. You put fluff on it, yeah. The marshmallow spread, and I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" But I pull up to Tony's lunch a couple years ago, and this place is only open on the weekends—two days or a couple days a week—from like seven o'clock to one in the morning, and it was packed. I we I had to wait in line, and the, that is the weirdest combination of food I ever heard of, and the f- combination of the of the marshmallow fluff spread and the and like the spicy chili. I had to order another one. I could not believe I even ate it, let alone loved it. I'm just saying that probably breaks a lot of unwritten rules of food, but man, so you got, you you got your treat in the Carolinas and you got, you got something up here in PA too. So that's about it. Well, anything else before we head out
3: for the weekend, man, get your hands on a screamer. People pull out the marshmallow (laughs) cream, pull out the raw onions. Let's get it on a burger.
2: Uh, gotta love the screamer. I might be screaming if Luca goes for 75 tomorrow. We'll see. But yeah, that's about it. Stay tuned to Roto Grinders. We got you covered, you know, always some good content, no matter what day of the week it is for Will Priester and the rest of the crew at Roto Grinders. I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great weekend and good luck.